Welcome to the iSmart Podcast Show with Tom Rogers, founder and CEO of iSmart Networks. We help connect entrepreneurs with key partnerships to build financial freedom. The average millionaire has seven streams of income, and our guests reveal how they created multiple streams in their businesses. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around for the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you could be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily transformational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Okay, thanks for joining iSmart Podcast. On the show today, we have Jessica Tissue. She's actually the founder and CEO of Bliss Food. It's literally the Willy Wonka of tableware. It's a zero-waste company that's committed to inspiring 1 billion people to go plastic-free, live healthier lives. She's an entrepreneur, environmentalist, and a foodie. Growing up French and Italian, she also has a passion for food and nutrition, of course. Um, she's founded Disruptive Marketing, which is a San Diego-based company that won best digital marketing agency three years in a row and uh, has worked with Grammy award-winning celebrities like Ringo Starr. Um, huge companies like Yamaha has been featured in Inc. Magazine for the fun, funniest startup video. She has a lot of things going for her. I just uh, really appreciate you, Jessica, being on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here and thank you for all that you're doing to amplify the voices of the business community. Of course, you know, we're going to we're going to talk a lot of the, about these things that you're doing because you've done a lot of great things for the world and that, you know, you deserve to be amplified, but I wanted to go into your founder story a little bit and, you know, where did you grow up uh, and how did you eventually get into business? Yeah. So I grew up in a small country town in the woods called Northboro, Massachusetts, and I grew up in a European household. My dad's side being French, my mom's side being Italian. So food was always the center of everything. We spent most of our time in the kitchen. We were always spending hours around the kitchen table. And it was very important that we come together as a family. We cook fresh food and we eat together. Um, so my dad, not only is he French, but he's actually a, a scientist and an inventor. Uh, he actually invented uh, the telephones that are on airplanes or they were on airplanes and um, direct TV, what we now know as like on-demand uh, TV, he created the technology for that. Uh, so he's won a lot of uh, awards in the, in the science community and he's very interesting. He's a an background in engineering, inventor, as well as um, he has a degree in marketing and innovations. And my mom, it's totally opposite of my dad. My mom is a free spirit artist, gardener. Uh, so I feel like the blending of the two parents yeah, you got, are really you got both of those for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would have to say the inventor like, side and like the free spirit mm -hmm. side, which is honestly it's like the perfect combination for an entrepreneur. Like you have to be be able to let go, but also kind of like drive down and be like, okay, like engineer it all, right? So it's perfect. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for a while, I didn't really understand how my brain works. But as an entrepreneur, it's perfect because thanks to my dad, I'm very analytical and data driven. I'm always doing market research and analyzing market trends. And because my mom, I can come up with many creative uh, solutions. And I also learned some good social skills from her. <laughs> of course, all that time around amazing French cuisine, you know. Yes. Um, so so you grew up in Massachusetts and was that where you kind of like you you went to school there you went you started your first business there um how how did that transition go so yeah interestingly enough I actually started my first business without really knowing it in the second grade I started like a, a nail salon where I was charging girls five dollars <laughs> yeah in second grade I was charging them five dollars to paint your na their nails and as you can imagine, you're like, what second grader has $5? So then I would like teach them strategies to like earn $5 by doing extra chores. So what you can do is <laughs> go to your mom and you could say, hey, mom, can I go and sleep and clean my room? And you can give me $5. And then you can take that $5 after you do that work. And you can come and you can give it to me because you want my nails that I'm going to give you because they're so fancy. <laughs> yes, exactly. That was extremely <laughs> impressive at a second grader level. Like you... <laughs> You you really mapped it out for them, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, and then throughout high school, I was like coming up with these like make-believe businesses, I guess you could say like a fashion company. and But I didn't know what an entrepreneur was then because I wasn't surrounded by a family of entrepreneurs. It was when I went to, I went to University of San Diego and I was studying communications and international business. One of my professors said, hey, I really think you need to join the social innovation challenge. And it was the first ever social innovation challenge, which um, I won an award for. And that challenge really taught me what an entrepreneur was and that I was an entrepreneur. And finally, at that point, my whole life made sense, how I think, how I operate. You're like, oh, this is why I've been hustling second graders. <laughs> yeah. I was a little, little, little girl just <laughs> yeah. I was innovating to get money. Yeah. Where were you yes. getting money to get it? Was it just to get like more, you know, like snacks or something like that, like in school? Like, why did you why did you want five dollars? It's, it's an interesting thing for a second grader to think. I need to hustle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These are the things yeah, about really, like other things. I I think I just wanted to save because in second grade we also had the bank come to us and teach us about savings. Uh -huh. And so I think something that they said stuck in my brain. I was like, I need to start building my revenue streams. <laughs> second grade. You were like seven years old or something. Yeah. I know. I was an odd child. Peace mode. You know, like they always say you gotta start young. I don't really know. <laughs> Up and out of the room. Here's a dollar. <laughs> learn how to learn how to create two dollars, or you're not going to get. <laughs> so, so social innovation challenge. Um, what did you do within that? Yeah, so um, I created something called Peace Foods, which was a for-benefit food truck, um, and. Uh, it was like acai superfood food truck and 15% of the profits were to go to uh, child slaves in Africa. Cause I had visited Africa and visited this organization and it really impacted my life. Um, so I 
I realized I had to use commerce and business and whatever I'm learning and my talents to do something good for humanity. Already given back. And when, when, what, how old were you during this time? How many years ago were you working or were you doing the Peace Foods social innovation? That was when I was 20, maybe 20 years old. Yeah. Awesome. Over, uh, over a decade ago, 13 yeah, years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. you had the give back mentality even 10 years ago, which is, which is amazing. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of businesses, they, they're now attributing that, like, you know, yeah. their business because people are like, you know, they don't, they would prefer to support the Pura Vita or the Tom shoes of businesses. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but 10 years ago, you were kind of like leading that way. So that's fantastic. So you did that for a little bit. Um, or how long did you do Peace Foods? Um, that was for a couple of years and you bring up a good point. And the reason why I was leading that leading in that direction is because I went on semester at sea. So I sailed around the world and I visited 15 countries in four months and they took us to some really bad parts. We didn't just go to first world parts. We went to dangerous third, third world countries and I saw everything firsthand and I was impacted so deeply. It completely changed the course of my life coming back. And University of San Diego also had very strong systems they were beginning to implement that we have to give back and we can't just think about ourselves we have to think about the greater community yeah very similar to the charity water um founder mm -hmm. and like he did the same thing he went to africa you know he was doing like promotions for clubs in new york <clears throat> and then he was like all right well i'm gonna go on this trip and then he saw like how many people didn't have clean drinking water and decided to create a company around it so yeah that's <clears throat> that's amazing so a couple years into peace foods what did you do after peace foods and how did you transition out of that yeah, so I realized at that time I was I felt like I wasn't mature enough to be running uh, a food truck. It was too much work. I didn't want to be on the food truck. Okay. Most people are like yeah. thinking about boys. You're thinking about <laughs> food and giving back to the world. So props. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and I think I got intimidated by the responsibility. So I started to get into digital marketing and studying digital marketing. And it's something that intrigued me from a lifestyle perspective because um, one, it was zero waste. You're not like producing goods and things like that. But two, it allowed you the flexibility to work wherever you wanted as long as you had an internet connection. And after traveling around the world on semester at sea, I had that bug to keep traveling and keep learning what I didn't know. Right. Um, so, so I worked for an ad agency for a couple months out of um, college. And at that time, I had broken industry record for conversion rates. This so the industry marketing. Yes, but I broke the record when I was working at the ad agency. So which which inspired me to start uh, disruptive marketing. So, so the industry. Record? Yeah. So the industry standard is one to two percent conversion rates for paid advertising or online at the time. And I had 80% conversion rates for credit card signups, meaning 80% of people who were seeing the Facebook ad were clicking it, going to the customer's website and putting in their credit card. And that I had that for six months. And so, <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy. Um, and everyone was very interested in like what's going on in your brain. How did you achieve that? So I took some time to really reflect on what I was doing and how I achieved that. And I was able to build a framework around it. And I took that framework and then I started disruptive marketing. Yeah. 
Wow, that's amazing. So you took essentially the concepts that you learned from that digital marketing agency, and then you implemented them into Disruptive. And you started Disruptive a couple years after that? I started it right after that. So I only worked at this ad agency for a few months when I broke the record and I figured out what I did. There were some other things that I didn't care for in the agency. Plus, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to be my own boss. Yeah, that like, day that I people that I'm working with couldn't even you're just questioning me while I was doing this awesome thing. And it's really killing my time killing my vibe. So I want to have to do my own thing because obviously I'm not working. You never want to be the smartest person in the room, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And so and I just at the end of the day, I wasn't sure it was like a culture fit for me. So with that agency. So um that day that I, I left the agency, uh, I decided to start my own business and I had my first client. So I was, I was the stars aligned, so Definitely. to say. So then mm -hmm. you built that, you know, as and you for about three years. How, how long did it take to win the um, best digital market agency in San Diego? So it took about so I had the agency for about 10 years and it took about six years in before I um, won that. It's, and I didn't even try. Like I wasn't actively pursuing PR or winning awards because we were so busy within the agency meeting the needs of our customers. I didn't have any time to actually go out there and, and build the brand. And there wasn't really a need because everything was word of mouth uh, referrals. It's awesome. So I mean, mm -hmm. you build that all from referrals, essentially. Yeah, all from referrals, all and and from bootstrapping. It's awesome. It really shows if you have a great product and you're doing a great job, people are going to share. And then that's how I did it. You know, I did it. I grew my first car. My first business was a car wash business. And I, I grew it just off of word of mouth. It was like people just mm -hmm. told me how great the service was. And then, you know, we implemented a couple strategies and it worked out. So, yeah, I think, I think that's super important. Like even having an marketing agency, you don't have to do so much marketing and spend so much on marketing. If you just focus on delivering results or having a superior, the best, just focus on being the best and then focus on the best customer service. I think that's super important. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so three years you won best, you know, marketing, digital marketing agency. And then afterwards you were like, cool. Like you felt like you achieved, you know, your, your goals or whatever. And you sold that and you exited. Yeah. So actually I was hit by a car when standing on a sidewalk wow. and got, this was a couple years ago and it, I got very injured. Um, I couldn't walk for six months. I was, wow. I was pretty bedridden. I had to go through a lot of rehab. Um, I injured five vertebrae in my spine and my nerves. Um, and so that was a pretty traumatic experience. And I like like while I was working on disruptive marketing, I had been always working in food, like researching food, researching um, what we'll talk about in a minute, bliss foods, and had been building prototypes for that. And so food and the environment were really what fulfilled me and were really my purpose and passion. But I wasn't clear as to how to execute that at that point in time. And I also was scared to let go of the comforts of my agency because I mean, I had that agency and the systems on lockdown. I was making money in my sleep. I was working maybe a few hours a month while making well over six figures. So, I mean, it just, it was easy. It was comfortable. And when I got hit by the car, it really made me realize 
that, no, you're here for something else. And it made me get very clear that I need to do something and stand up for the environment right now. Wow. That's, that's mm -hmm. an amazing kind of transition right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious why a car hit you on the sidewalk. Like were you oh, yeah, on, on the sidewalk and a car just randomly came across and was like, Hey, Jessica, like I'm gonna make <laughs> your day really bad. Like, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, question I'm still asking myself. So I was uh, leaning up against the, the fences at uh, La Jolla coast. Uh, and the sidewalks are pretty high, as you know, and I was my friends and I were filming and doing videos. We we're uh, doing a brand video and my I heard my friend scream, but I didn't have enough time to react. And he actually jumped in front of the car to try to stop it from hitting me. And the kid just it was a big Jeep. He just kept going and he pinned me against the fence and broke the fence with my body. And like, unfortunately, the kid was under the influence he, of something he was driving a rental car that wasn't his under age. It was just not a good scene. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sound like, it sounds like a really horrible scene. Yeah. A yeah. I mean, it was shock, shocker. It was hard. It was painful, but I am also grateful at the same time, as weird as that sounds for the experience, because it set me on the path that I'm really meant to, to be on in this life. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I'm glad you recovered really well. Was it like a lot of physical therapy essentially to kind of get yourself to oh, walk? Physical walk therapy. Like 20 hours a week of physical therapy. Wow. It, was a, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You were working then. A lot of time to think too, right? So. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, that's great though. So the, the digital disruptive was kind of like it was operating. You weren't having to do mm -hmm. that much in the company. So mm -hmm. you from your laptop. So it's not like that could go, but you know, for about six months. And then, so did you decide after that injury that you were just like, all right, I'm going to kind of leave this and shut it down or what'd you do much of the injury? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was injured, like you said, I had a lot of time to lay in bed to kind of like be by my computer. So I started to do a lot of research regarding plastics and the environment. And then I got very convicted with the research that I had to launch Bliss Foods, which was just actually an idea that I came up with in 2011. Uh, so I started putting my efforts towards that and I just started to transition out and I had other partner agencies that I worked with. So I just started to um, uh, like get, pass on my clients to them and I got offered to be bought out, but I didn't really have like the passion or the energy at that time to really pursue that path. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so eventually you just kind of said, okay, I'm just going to like stop. We just kind of just like stop the client, stop running mm -hmm. it, and then focusing yeah. on on bliss mm -hmm. yes okay, cool um so with bliss foods you know we've talked about how it's like kind of the willy wonka tableware can we kind of go into specifically what bliss foods is and how it's going to be you know kind of transform inspiring a billion people to go plastic free is pretty phenomenal and i think we want to know what how you're going to do that yeah yeah, so Bliss Foods is the first ever edible superfood tableware. And so people are probably like, what does that mean? So it's exactly how it sounds. Like you can eat your cup, you can eat your bowl, you can eat your spoon, you can eat your fork. And the next question I always get is, do these actually taste good? And yeah, I'm such a foodie um, and meticulous. So <laughs> I've made them taste very good. So they come in a variety of flavors, sweet and savory. So imagine sweet potato french fry or occasion or seaweed sesame bowl or for like a mocha coffee cup or a vanilla gram. So there's a variety of really delicious flavors 
But as you mentioned previously, I'm super into nutrition and eating well, especially important as an entrepreneur, you've got to have a lot of energy. Uh, So I made everything vegan, gluten-free and paleo and packed with nutrients. So you actually get like 50% of your vitamins when you eat one of these products. It's very low glycemic, so it's safe for diabetics. Um, Yeah. How is it's it? Good. How is it going to be able to hold hot coffee? Is it? Does it melt? Is it not going to melt? It doesn't melt. So actually, the cup can hold hot coffee, like two hundred ninety degree hot coffee, and we left it for fifteen hours, and it doesn't leak. It can hold hot soups. The bowls can have acai, hot soups, ice cream. So that took a lot of years of research, and I took some molecular gastronomy courses to figure out how exactly do you manipulate the food materials to create something so it it doesn't leak. Yeah, we could probably talk about 30 minutes just about that. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> super intense. Um, you know, and it, what's the website real quick and so that people can kind of like uh, research, yeah. you know, cuz I'm sure they yeah, want. Yeah, so I have the website. It's going live in January. It's called eatblissfoods.com. eatblissfoods.com. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, great. So what so so you're just starting this as it as it monetized yet? Yeah, so um, just starting it. So I invented it in 2011, but at the time the market wasn't ready. No one was having the conversation about the environment. It right. takes seven, several years to figure out how to produce these because we've had a custom design machinery. So we're now just at that point where we're the finishing building our machine, machines, ramping up production. So we are, are lucky with just like a whisper to my network, we already have um, several customers. We've partnered with Surfrider Foundation and Surfrider Foundation has 900 ocean-friendly restaurants, meaning that they can't use plastic. They have to be zero waste. So right. we're partnering with them to scale up. Um, Kaboom Music Festival, the city of Imperial Beach, University of San Diego. So universities, events, uh, restaurants who are, who are interested in being zero waste, those are all our current customers. And right now we're scaling up to be able to meet that demand. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. So mm-hmm. it's just going to be like a kind of standard product sale kind of revenue model where you're going to be selling the silverware in a, for a certain price and you have a profit margin of yeah. like 10, 20% or something around there. Yeah, so it's a B2B uh, business model exactly. We'll make a, a margin off of each product. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so the goal here essentially is to kind of take over the normal silverware and tableware space with these edible pieces. That's really amazing. Uh, and so how did you get the funds to be able to build something like this? It sounds like there's not a lot of infrastructure and a lot of things that are going on. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like you sold disruptive marketing to be able to get the capital to be able to invest in this. So did you, did you get some VCs that, that eventually invest, invested into it? So that's a great question. So again, just like my first business, bootstrapping this business, taking money that I earned from the digital marketing agency. And I also invested in real estate as well and had Airbnb business. So taking money that I I saved from that as well to be smart and to invest in this. But everything is bootstrapping, um, have very talented teammates who who are on the team as well, who are working alongside for sweat sweat equity. Um, and we're really just trying to build this so we can stay true to the values of the brand. We've already got approached by some pretty big companies, but what would end up happening is they want to sell B2C and they would wrap the product in plastic. And that's not what the mission is about. So 
having to do everything the hard way, build from scratch, scale up from scratch, just so we can ensure the integrity of the vision and the mission. Right. You just got to stay true to your core values and Mm -hmm. work out. Yeah, the right Mm -hmm. companies will will come this way for sure. Um, So the last thing we want to talk about is kind of like the pandemic and kind of what, how this has maybe been affected by it. Have you seen a transition or a change, you know, from this, from this pandemic and everything that's going on in 2020 from the, from what happened last year with this, with bliss? Yeah. So that's a very great question. We were originally um, set to launch in February uh, of this year, but with COVID it pushed everything out until almost a, a year later. And you can especially imagine like having the B2B model and food service, restaurants, events, that sort of thing. There aren't a lot of events going on right now. So our customers haven't gone away. Um, actually, some of our customers want the products right now in their restaurants. They're still committed to being compostable and zero waste, though we're just waiting um, until January to launch. And it's actually been helpful for us. Um, to help us really rethink our process, our manufacturing process and everything and get that as efficient as possible. So we really are able to scale when we when we hit the market. Um, so I'm actually grateful for having a little bit of extra time to work on the manufacturing. Yeah, definitely. So the model is not really going to change. I mean, I think that um, restaurants will Unfortunately, I think I saw just a statistic recently that was over 2,200 restaurants in California went out of business, literally the mm-hmm. highest in the country, which is super unfortunate. Um, and but regardless, I think that you know they're going to need silverware and more more restaurants. The ones that I think that are surviving are you know the ones that have been able to utilize Postmates and Uber Eats and more of a deliver delivery service, right? So mm-hmm. you know they can't. They can't handle the amount of capacity for their restaurants. They usually have hundreds of clients, right? Hundred customers like coming in all the time and using all these, you know, all this tableware, right? And you'd be like, great, let's just convert it, right? But yeah. then, but now it's like they're doing what? They're doing those postmates and so they're giving plastic away in boxes mm-hmm. for all of their really high-end, amazing Italian food, you know, mm-hmm. and that's like kind of messed up to be honest like yeah yeah yeah. we've that's nuts yeah we've we've taken a couple steps backward regarding plastics and the environment in terms of covid but what's interesting what's come out um the feedback from our our customers that we are launching with is that they see these as more hygienic so for example imagine a stack of coffee cups that are just out there anyone can touch it anyone can sneeze on it anyone can cough on it but because these are food grade and are treated as such, they're kept with the food, they're handled with the gloves, they're handled in a sanitized way, they're actually more hygienic than coffee cups. So that has been one of the draws. So I'm confident that when we launch, we can communicate that message um, and then we can help curve some of this excess plastic and takeout containers that have been produced because of COVID. No, I mean, a hundred million percent. I, I think if we really if we're going to continue this direction people are like oh it's going to go away like no it's not it's not going to go away it's just going to be accelerated like oh yes especially with everything that's going on with there's so many different aspects that we can't really go into right now but you know if all this i I, when i get food and if i get delivery food i'm a little bit upset about how much is wasted you know because the box (laughs) the plastic is wasted like all these different pieces it's like man i don't even 
I just want to eat the food, you know, but I don't want to feel bad, you know, that I'm like throwing yeah. my stuff and there's like even more waste. So can Bliss Foods eventually maybe even create a box where they could put the food in with the silverware, where literally everything from the box to the food to the silverware, even a napkin could be edible? Yeah, yeah, we're working on it. And uh, the challenge is, so we're absolutely working on uh, advancing our materials to get into that direction. There is a challenge where you have to have everything, like if it's food, there has to be some barrier. Like imagine an ice cream cone, you have to have that cone wrapper um, just for hygienic purposes. So we're exploring how do we meet the, the laws and the needs of the laws for hygiene as well as having everything um, edible. So that is something we're absolutely interested in and and working on. And it, it it's, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, you're fine. No, it's just really important because not only is it important for the environment, it's really important for our bodies. Most people don't realize we eat a credit card's worth of microplastic per week yeah. just because of all of the packaging our food comes on like if something's in plastic that's leaching into the food that you eat when you think you are recycling it only nine percent of everything gets recycled actually gets dumped into the ocean polluting our food supply and now they found that these microplastics are actually it's like acid rain they call it plastic rain it comes down in our, our rainfall so it's actually everywhere so i just urge people to um learn more about that because it's not only about our environments about our our physical yeah, bodies assuming you know and like everyone's always like okay i want to you know i want to have high, high energy i want to produce a lot i want to impact the world i mean all, all of that stems from energy if you don't have the energy to do any of those things forget yeah. it, right and, the, and where do we get yeah. the energy that we're putting in our body where are mm -hmm. we around so yeah it's super super amazing i do believe that this is eventually going to get to that one billion dollar kind of people piece. It's an mm -hmm. extremely important thing uh, with the real, a lot of powerful listeners. And so I'm curious if there's anything that you're looking for right now with bliss foods, any one, any, anything specifically to help kind of like accelerate this journey. Yeah. Things that would accelerate the journey are truly aligned investors who understand the vision and the mission and want to support that and support the scaling because we already have more customer traction than we can, we can uh, meet the demand for, and then anyone who's really skilled in the natural food industry and manufacturing for the uh, the natural food industry, and lastly, anyone who wants to join the team. Love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, how do they get a hold of you, Jessica? Yeah, they can. I can give you my personal email. So, my personal email is Jessica tissue t i s h u e at gmail .com. That's always the best way to reach me. That's the email that I always check. Yeah, honestly, guys, you know, I would really recommend that you would reach out. Uh, I already know of several VCs and different investors on top of my head that I could um, give you a good personal reference to, you know, this is an extremely important uh, mission. And mm -hmm. I'm, I've always been in alignment with businesses that have purpose, you know, not mm -hmm. just that are just there to make money, right? But they're mm -hmm. going to make people's lives better. Uh, and really just, you know, help people live the dream. So uh, I really appreciate everything that you're doing, Jessica. Thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, we'll definitely have you on a little bit later on this year or in January when you launch it and see how everything's going. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and you definitely have to try some Bliss Foods and have the Willy Wonka experience yourself. The Willy Wonka experience. And by the way, guys, just to let you know, it does come with a golden ticket. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's 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 been awesome. You're, awesome. Thanks, Jessica. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the iSmart Podcast Show. If you are a business owner with multiple streams of income or professional who would like to be on the daily program, please visit iSmartNetworks.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with hashtag iSmartPodcast. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? We'll promote you and your business to our media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up? In your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right. Seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed 15 minutes a day. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the iSmart Podcast.